a Singular Discoveries podcast. How does a man become a legend? How does he get written into a fireside tale? How does he become the sort of man who late in life is approached on the street and introduced to children as a local hero? It's through the stories he tells and the stories told about him. Extraordinary stories. Long ago tales that cannot be verified but are believed by many to be true. If such a story takes place in a small town, perhaps in a pioneer settlement in the Old West, it can become part of the heritage of the place and its protagonist can become a figure of folklore. But it must be a good story. Perhaps one involving a mysterious disappearance, an alleged murder and a furious bear. The hero of that tale might live long in the memories of his fellow townsfolk, even if he remained virtually unknown to the rest of the world. From Singular Discoveries, this is The Man Who Rode the Bear. The hero of this tale is Andy Stump. He came to Sonoma County from West Virginia during the California Gold Rush, when the chance of striking rich drew hundreds of thousands of 49ers to the northern goldfields. But Stump didn't come to pan for nuggets. There were no dreams of gold to the west of the Sierra Nevada at this time. These were the middle decades of the 1800s, when California was a land of discovery that was shifting from Mexican to American hands. Old trappers who crossed the mountains reported the Sonoma Valley as a fair and goodly land. The soil was fertile, and the fields were filled with lush grasses and colourful flowers that swayed and swirled in the coastal breeze. The redwoods were the real bounty. A swathe of stately evergreens swept across basins and ravines, over hills and mountains. Few men had ever traversed the forests. The only trails were those carved out by deer, elk and grizzly bears. It was the home of the savage and the lair of the wild animal. These are the words of an uncredited Sonoma historian, possibly J.P. Monroe Fraser, writing in 1880. The mountains were next to impassable. The country was innocent of roads. Ill-defined trails led into the thicket, down to almost fathomless ravines, or up to inaccessible crags, until their direction was lost to the uninitiated. All was oppressive solitude. In 1846, a sea captain named Stephen Smith had brought ashore what was probably California's first steam engine and set up a steam-powered sawmill at a town called Bodega, about 45 miles north of San Francisco. Smith's men, sombrero-wearing rancheros, old-time soldiers and drifted prospectors, felled the redwoods and rolled them to the mill, where a whirring saw sliced the logs into timber planks. This fresh-cut lumber was hauled down to Bodega Bay and exported to the Sandwich Islands, the settlers' name for Hawaii. Smith and other Sonoma settlers flew a flag over their properties featuring a star and a grizzly bear. This was the bear flag, the symbol of a revolt by American settlers against the Mexican government. The grizzly bear, the powerful symbol of the breakaway California Republic, had once been numerous but it was being hunted toward extinction by settlers for its meat and by ranchers to protect their livestock. 
the grizzly was depleted in numbers, retreating from man and fighting to survive. In 1850, Smith leased the mill and his forest land to a pair of Easterners named Hanks and Mudge. This was the year California became the 31st state. It was around this time that Andy Stump arrived in Bodega. He was 23 years old in 1850, 5 feet 4 inches, 173 pounds, blue-eyed and tough as work boots. The eldest son of a large family, he came to California from Randolph County on the western slopes of the Blue Ridge Mountains. His parents, and somewhere between 12 and 20 siblings, would follow him out to Sonoma. The Stumps would become an important pioneering family in the area. The father, Germany-born John C. Stump, would open a saloon in Bodega known as the American Hotel. But when he first arrived, alone and in need of work, Andy Stump was drawn to the noise and sawdust and sweet-cut smell of the mill. The San Francisco Examiner newspaper takes up the tale. It was in the fall of 1852 near this sawmill that the wonderful ride took place. Among the men employed at the mill was a man named West and another who was called Jersey. These were Tony West and Jersey Roy, so-called because he came from New Jersey. Jersey had worked many jobs along the West Coast and had earned a decent pay packet of gold, which he kept in a broad money belt strapped around his body. Now he was working at the mill to see out time until a steamer was ready to carry him from San Francisco on his long journey home. The little fortune of gold dust which Jersey was to carry east he could feel clasping him night and day closer than a brother. Andy Stump and Jersey Roy became good friends. Then one day Jersey disappeared. Though it was generally understood that he had gone to San Francisco, a few considered that his departure was rather sudden and mysterious. Too sudden and mysterious, in fact, for the health of the missing man. He was last seen going through the woods with West, and while that worthy told a very plausible tale of his companion's departure for the South, many eyes looked at him with suspicion, and their owners made little quiet searches in the deep woods for some trace of the missing Jersey. Tony West was a relative newcomer to the area, with no family or connections, and he did not have a very likeable disposition. There was no evidence that he was involved in Jersey's disappearance. But the suspicion continued to simmer. Several months later, a letter arrived at the mill. It came from Jersey's family and asked for information about him. Neither Jersey nor any word from him had ever reached home. At a meeting of workers outside the mill, Andy Stump, upset about his missing friend, confronted Tony West. A quarrel between the two men ensued. In the war of words, Stump accused West of murdering Jersey and hiding the body in the forest, at the same time advancing as if to arrest him. West claimed innocence, but the accusation had struck him like an arrow. West turned pale, staggered, and believing that his crime was found out at last, turned and fled toward the brush like a deer. It was instantly taken as proof positive of crime by all the millmen present, and the whole crowd sprang up in pursuit. The chase was on. Stump and the mob of millmen weaved past stacked lumber and leaped over fallen logs toward the expanse of forest that fell away below them. They tumbled through the wooded valley, squeezing between trees, scratching through thickets and wading across streams. Branches whipped at their arms and tore their shirts and berry vines snagged at their legs and ripped their trousers. It was a long chase. Minutes turned into miles. The forest became thicker, the incline steeper. The men tripped and stumbled, lungs burning, limbs bleeding. 
One by one, exhausted and bloodied, the mill workers gave up the chase. Eventually, only two men were left racing through the valley, Tony West and Andy Stump. West was a fleet runner, and so was Stump, the hunted man leading the way down a deep wooded ravine in the hopes of finding a hiding place in the dark tangle of vine and undergrowth. Sometimes he was out of sight of his pursuer, but Stump could hear him breaking his way through the thicket and followed surely on his tail, steadily gaining. Suddenly, the two men burst out from under the forest canopy into a clearing. In front of them gaped a canyon, deep and steep, with a creek at the bottom. West, aware that he was being overtaken, hesitated for a moment, then desperately jumped over the canyon edge. Stump, propelled by momentum and bloody determination, leaped over the edge after him. Stump crashed and tumbled through the brush and saplings that lined the canyon walls, unable to control his descent. Ahead of him, he heard the crash and tumble of West. Then he heard a thunderous, angry roar. As Stump bounced and somersaulted into the air, he caught a brief glimpse below him of an extraordinary scene. West had stumbled, literally, upon a huge female grizzly bear and two cubs. One of the cubs, perhaps bundled over when West crashed through their den, was rolling around and howling with fright. Now propelled by terror, West was hurtling away. Mama Grizzly, her seething anger thick in the air, was springing after him. Stump had only a split second to process this picture and no time or means to react. Desperate snatches at branches could not slow his fall. There are times when a man in desperate straits thinks fast, and Stump did some lightning mental work. He knew that the chase was up, that the bear would turn upon him as an invader and destroyer of her domestic peace, and he would soon be served up as breakfast for the ferocious mother and her howling cubs. But Providence times matters for his deliverance in a most mysterious manner. He fell squarely upon the great bear's back. The grizzly was California's biggest and most formidable animal. At its largest, it could be four feet high at the shoulder and seven feet tall when rearing on hind legs. When fat, the grizzly could weigh a thousand pounds, perhaps six times heavier than Andy Stump. It was covered in thick, wiry brown hair and had a characteristic hump between its shoulders. With kitchen knife claws and a vice-clamped jaw, this was Ursus horribilis, the terrible bear. This is another anonymous Sonoma County historian. The grizzly, as he is usually called, was at one time exceedingly numerous for such a large animal, but he offered so much meat for hunters and did so much damage to the farmers that he has been industriously hunted and his numbers have been greatly reduced. The grizzly is very tenacious in life and he is seldom immediately killed by a single bullet. He is one of the most dangerous animals to attack. There is much possibility that when he is shot, he will not be killed outright. When merely wounded, he is ferocious. His weight and strength are so great that he bears down on all opposition before him, and he is very quick, his speed at running being nearly equal to that of a horse. In attacking a man, he usually rises on his hind legs, strikes the enemy with one of his powerful forepaws, and then commences to bite him. This was the mighty animal that Andy Stump had landed upon. Stump would later say he was not an intelligent man, but he was a lucky one. Here, 
good fortune decided to land him perfectly astride the bear's broad back, like a rodeo bull rider. Stump was an experienced horseman who had tamed wild mustangs, and his survival instincts kicked in. He grabbed two fistfuls of the beast's hair and dug his heels into her flanks. Now he was on for the ride. The bear did not seem to notice Stump's arrival, or in any case did not care. Without breaking stride, the grizzly bounded after West, the real object of her rage. The San Francisco examiner continues the tale. In a few hundred yards, the somber redwoods saw a strange sight. A human being, almost naked, a few shreds of clothing hanging from his scratched and bleeding body, running for his life, closely followed by a huge grizzly, along the ridge pole of whose long back lay another man clinging on with his heels and fingers. The tumbling west and the thundering bear, with stump hanging onto its back, reached a trail that ran along the creek bank. Now West found his feet and resumed his desperate sprint, closely followed by the pounding grizzly. Stump held on for dear life, burying his head in the bear's coat, partly to protect his face from branches and briars, and partly to avoid close inspection of the situation. At some point, the grizzly would tire of its rider and buck him from its back. Then, with just one swipe of a paw or one clench of a jaw, Stump knew he would be dead. After a few hundred yards, the bear began to slow. Desperate that West shouldn't escape, Stump yelled at the bear and jabbed his heels deeper into her sides. But this only reminded the bear of the nuisance on its back that was slowing her pursuit. Stump realised his ride was coming to an end, and he had one chance to avoid becoming bear food. This thought quickly flashed through Stump's brain, and he looked around for a good place to alight. They were galloping along on the bank of the creek close to the edge, and when they reached a place where the stream looked deepest and darkest, he let go and threw himself far over, falling about 18 or 20 feet into the water below. Fearing that the grizzly would be down after him, he dived under and came up on the other side of the stream. When he surfaced, he couldn't see the bear, but he could hear the sounds of pursuit downstream. Without her rider to slow her down, Mama Grizzly was continuing her chase of West. Stump pulled himself from the creek and, bruised and bleeding and with his clothes in shreds, slowly dragged his sore legs in the opposite direction, back up the valley to the mill. The following day, a posse of mill workers armed for bear hunting followed Stump into the forest. Along the way, Stump pointed out evidence, broken trees, bloody trails, the disturbed bear's den, to back up his story. The men reached the spot where Stump had jumped from his ride and continued down the trail. After a quarter of a mile, they found West. He had been mauled to death. As they headed back up the trail near the bear's den, they found the remains of another body. It was Jersey Roy. There was no sign of his money belt. Although the bears had partially eaten Jersey's body, the men could see that his throat had been cut with a knife. This, they decided, was evidence that Tony West had murdered Jersey Roy and that the grizzly bear had caught the criminal and inflicted maximum justice. Andy Stump's story circulated Sonoma County and reached as far as Oakland and San Francisco. It was told at saloon bars and dinner tables. Some scoffed at the tale, others considered it probable, and a few believed in it toto. These are the words of the old bodega historian Howard C. McCaughey. The original storyteller himself, when questioned, always took on the solemnity of an owl. 
and maintained it to be the truth. No one was able to provide testimony that refuted it. Records show that Stump retained one piece of evidence to the end of his life, a scar across his forehead. As for the grizzly bear, it lost its battle with the California settlers. The great beasts were trapped, shot and poisoned. Bounties were placed on them and they were baited, often against bulls, as sideshow entertainments. Another show, advertised in San Francisco in the 1850s, featured California trapper John Grizzly Adams and his menagerie of captured bears and other animals. Adams has lately obtained several shipments of new and rare wild animals from the mountains. Among his animals are several bear cubs, very awkward but very playful. In 1911, a version of the bear flag was adopted as the official state flag of California. The grizzly bear pictured on the flag is thought to be Monarch, a 1,100-pound male captured for William Randolph Hearst. Monarch spent the last 22 years of his life in a cage before being stuffed and mounted. Despite becoming an enduring symbol of the state, the California grizzly has been extinct since the 1920s. Andy Stump settled in Bodega. He became a successful farmer and a dairyman. Stump owned the first grain thresher in the county, brought the first Jersey cows to California and patented a new design for a butter churn. He held a stake in a schooner that shipped his wares to San Francisco. Stump's first wife, Harriet, died along with the eldest of their three infant children from typhoid in 1861. Stump later married an Irish girl, Annie, and they had at least six children. Their home was known as the Andy Stump Ranch. He remained best known for what area newspapers called his bareback ride. But there were other stories too. A whale of over 75 feet long drifted ashore on the coast near the mouth of Salmon Creek, Sonoma County, on Thursday of last week, and was claimed by Mr. McLaren and Andy Stump, who are now engaged in trying out the oil. A few years later, Stump's schooner, the J.H. Congdon, was lost after a collision at sea. About 50 boxes of shipwrecked butter were picked up by dairymen south of Bodega at Tamales Bay. On another occasion, a skunk got into Stump's dairy and tainted the butter. The batch went out anyway, and a broker wrote that people were asking for more butter with that unusual flavour. Stump also became involved in disputes on a Native American rancheria that was situated on his land. Although Stump had no quarrel with the Indians, they would often fight among themselves, and Stump would go out at night to settle things while his wife and children huddled in their home, fearing they might be murdered. According to his family, Stump was a calming presence who could always restore peace to the property. In 1898, a gold strike was claimed at the Stump Ranch. By then, Stump was 71 years old. Five years later, he was critically injured in a buggy accident. Friends feared he wouldn't recover, but he did, although it was time to sell the ranch. Andy Stump died at the age of 85 on the 15th of May, 1913. Well-known pioneer dies. Andrew Stump, a well-known pioneer resident of Bodega, passed away Wednesday afternoon at 1.40 as the result of a general breakdown from old age at the home of his son, G.M. Stump, in Monterio. Mr. Stump was a native of West Virginia, having been born October 10, 1827, and came west in the early days, settling on the coast where he has resided ever since. His wife passed away some years ago. The remains will be brought to Lafferty and Smith's funeral apartments. 
Requiem High Mass will be celebrated for the repose of his soul at St. Teresa's Church in Bodega on Friday at 10.30 o'clock. It was during the last years of Andy Stump's life that folk approached the old-timer with that lingering scar on his head and introduced him to their children as the man who rode the bear. Would he perhaps tell them the story? Of course he would, with the solemnity of an owl. Next episode of Singular Discoveries, another true story from the forgotten corners of history. To receive new episodes for free, just follow Singular Discoveries on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to binge listen the entire season ad-free right now, just go to singulardiscoveries.com. The Man Who Rode the Bear was written and produced by Paul Brown. You can find more of his writing at stuffbypaulbrown.com. Singulardiscoveries.com. 